You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the third week I've been with you guys. This is, uh, this is it. This is my mic drop, and then I'm out. Um, it has been great to be together with you, though, and uh, hopefully it's going to be helpful tonight. I know last week was boring because we just read story time to you, but uh, hopefully you uh, are able to buy a copy and read The Sacred Search. I think it's a really uh, fantastic book and uh, will be very helpful to you in your search. Uh, so yeah, here's the Connect Retreat. I'm really excited about this time. Uh, I think it's just going to be, again, this is not a conference. This is not lesson, 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 class, lesson, discussion group, class, lesson, class. This is, let's get up in the mountains. Let's get inspired to draw close to God. Let's pray. Let's relax. Let's have fun. Let's worship. And uh, let's hike. Let's just get out and uh, turn off our phones, our iPads, and, and just be like a disciple for a weekend, you know? So I'm, I'm really excited about it. It should be fun. Uh, thanks, brother. So tonight, part three, Christian dating. What are we going to talk about tonight? Your favorite topic, rules. Like, really? No, not really. But uh, I'm starting here uh, just to shock you and wake you. Um, Whenever you think of rules or guidelines, you know, it's funny how Paul says, man, the first, the Old Testament defines what sin is, but the minute I learn about it, I want to rebel, like right away when I learn about that rule. What, what is coveting? I don't know what that is. Oh, that's what coveting is? Oh, wow. That sounds really fun. I'm going to try coveting, right? That's what he says in Romans 7, paraphrased. Uh, and so the minute you talk about Guidelines and spiritual rules for dating, that inner part in us wants to rebel. That inner part in us wants to push these boundaries. And so I'm going to talk about it in a way that I think will be very helpful for us tonight, right? Now, I know there's some rules uh, for, you know, dating God's people, right? I'm sure this is maybe how God feels sometimes. Rules for dating my son, hey, unless you you can't. Or rules for dating my daughter, right? Yeah, right. Man, I have a 16-year-old daughter now. It's, uh, it's scary uh, to think about, you know, what, what, what the future holds and what that man will be thinking. And, you know, I do have two firearms in the house, so we'll, uh, we'll just make sure they're ready to go and cleaned. You know, when, we, when I start talking tonight, and even the, the guidelines that I'm going to share with you, I know there's some of you that think, okay, here comes the old school again, right? This is how you and Sean did it back uh, when there was black and white television 25 years ago when you had your courtship and your engagement and your dating, and I remember what the church was like back then, and so, you know, this is all old school stuff, right? Pull the chair out, open the door, you know, get home by... 10.30 kind of stuff that I'm going to share with you guys tonight. Well, it's not necessarily that, but I don't know. Have you guys made improvements on the dating process that I'm not aware of? Is the way that we did it so wrong and so evil and so harsh that it... 
I mean, what improvements have you guys made on the selection process of a mate in our world today? I don't think we look to the world. What's cool about this is when we're going to look at what the Bible really says. And uh, when you think about dating, courtship, engagement, marriage, you know, it's not going to say a lot, but it's going to give us some good scriptures that I think we can use as a basis for defining what our culture gets to be as Christians. And that's kind of the whole premise of tonight. We get to decide. We get to decide what our culture is going to be. We get to decide what our boundaries and our spiritual guidelines will be to date and get married. We get to decide what culture is going to be pleasing to God. Why? Because the Bible really doesn't give us a ton of exact guidelines about what time to be home at night. (laughs) Right? So we get to decide. And Paul says that in the same way. They were in very much of a similar situation They went from the old covenant where everything was written, in fact, even in stone, of what to do. So you talk about guidelines, they had guidelines. And where the guidelines failed, the the Talmud had a lot more guidelines. And so they had laws upon laws and guidelines to interpret the laws that they had. So they were familiar with guidelines. Suddenly they're living in now this New Testament era where there was nothing written. There was now a covenant written on human hearts based on faith in Christ Jesus. So it was so different that Paul said, listen, we don't have a lot of guidelines and rules for you, but what we do have is an example that we set which we want you to follow. And Paul says that. He says, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So you see that? It's not book, chapter, verse. It's like, well, what was that pattern, Paul? What was that example? Well, they lived it out in front of them and said, this is how you should live if you are going to be a Christian. And so what we have that's powerful is an example. We have a pattern. And so what we're going to do tonight is talk about the example that has been set in this church that I've seen work, that I've seen be godly that I've seen a people living out a pattern, an example, that Sean and I followed when we dated and when we got married. And it is not a foolproof, fail-safe pattern, but it's a godly pattern. It's a wise pattern. And it's one that's been tried, tested, and I really feel like is worthy of imitation and fellowship. Amen? And so, again, what we're talking about tonight is setting a godly pattern, right? A godly pattern and setting an example versus commandments, right? Because again, if we write it in stone, it gets weird. But if you want to do what's godly, and if you want to set an example for other people, then suddenly your dating relationship or your pursuit of a dating relationship is very clear what you should do in light of what pleases God and what sets a great example for others to follow. Amen? Does that make sense versus commandments? Well, here we go. Let's talk about just dating in general, just what we call in our fellowship, just uh, encouragement dating, going out with somebody uh, for the purposes of encouragement, for building relationships, for having brother and sister fellowship, for not sitting at home uh, on a Saturday night, but instead going out and having social interaction with the opposite sex, being friends, being brothers to the sisters, being sisters 
to our brothers in Christ. And so that pattern that we want to set here, Paul says in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look to your own interests, not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so what Paul is setting here is there is two different patterns shown here. One is a self-first pattern, which has selfish ambition. Vain conceit means you think highly of yourself. And you think about your own interests first. And then there's an others-first pattern, where nothing is done out of selfish ambition. In humility, you're considering other people. You are considerate, right? You're not just looking to your interests, but you're looking to the interests of others. So when we talk about these things tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of put the wisdom here, the others first pattern versus the self first pattern. Now, again, the little thing you'll see kind of points to the left. It's I'm not asking you guys to be complete legalists in all of this. Right. If you just want to encourage everybody for the rest of your life, that's great. If you want to get married, you're going to have to think about your own interests at some point in time. So that's why this is kind of leaning to the left, but we're not going to go all the way legalistic. However, I think it's important that we don't follow into just the complete self-first pattern on that side. Does that make sense? And that's the Google image that I got. So that's why I figured I'd make an attempt to explain it. All right, so let's look at another's first pattern, right? Just going out on dates for the purpose of giving encouragement to others to serve and to build friendships, right? Whereas a self-first pattern is the only reason I'm going out on a date is to determine if this person is a potential mate for me, right? So again, at some point you're going to want to go on a date and determine if this person is a potential mate. But if, is that the only reason why you call up a sister on a Saturday night and say, hey, we're all going to come over to my house, we're going to make dinner for you guys and have a great time? I hope not. I hope a lot of the time... You're doing it to build friendships, relationships, and to encourage. Amen? So you see where we're going here? doesn't mean this is all illegal over here. But I'm just saying, others first. All right. Seeking out disciples who haven't been asked out in a while. That might be everyone in this room, right? I don't know. Or need encouragement. Or maybe a new Christian. Now, a lot of times... That might be here, that new Christian, right? There's all these people who haven't been asked out, but suddenly that ten sister gets baptized, and now it's like, oh, I just want to encourage her spiritually. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's great to ask out new Christians. Versus a self-first pattern, just literally taking note of only the people you find attractive or interesting and taking them out. All right? Let's keep going. Double dates or group dates for the consideration of the people that you're taking out. Self-first pattern, just always asking people out for that one-on-one, just always a little bit of coffee or a little movie with the hopes of developing a relationship, right? Now, again, is that illegal? Are you in sin? You guys, what? You you had coffee or you're in... No, but I've seen people that this is it. They never plan and spend... It's always, you know, the $2 date and see if she's the one, you know? (laughs) Creating a safe and fun environment 
for healthy conversation and friendship versus the self-first pattern. Conversation is very intentional, flirtatious, too intimate, meant to develop a close bond too soon. And again, I think there's times for appropriate conversations. I think there's times for vulnerability. I think there's times to really build friendships and really share how things are going on in your life. But there's also times when it's inappropriate and building that bond too quickly or being more vulnerable than you are with the brothers and the guys, you know, it's, you got to make sure that it's appropriate in conversation on dates. Amen? Others' first pattern. Dates and activities are well-planned. Typically, all involved know what's happening weeks or days in advance, right? If you're going to go on a four-mile hike and she arrives in heels, that's poor planning, right? Uh, Versus last-minute, loosely planned dates, poor communication that takes away from the specialness of the date. Now, again, I would love to tell you that this was my dating relationship, but honestly, what would end up happening is be like Saturday night, and Craig Welbrock and I, who was my roommate, and he was dating, and Sean and Jen were friends. I mean, there were times where we would pick them up, close the door, and like literally take a long walk behind the car. All right, dude, what do you want to do, you know? Um, let's just uh, go to the town center. All right, boom, 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 into the car. Yeah, we're going to go to the town center, you know? So I have been guilty of that. But uh, making it special where things are really planned out. It's amazing to me, you know, when I was starting to like Sean, how much more the dates were planned. And to my shame, then after we'd been dating for a while, then it was the Craig Welbrock, dude, where, what do you want to do, you know? I mean, we had some awesome dates. We went to my farm, which was in Fort Collins, and we had a hick date. So we all just dressed up in our coveralls and our straw hats, and we went to our farm. We milked, uh, our, we milked cows. We drove tractors. We had a hayride, a bonfire. I mean, when, you know, when you're courting somebody, you pull out all the stops, right? This was not just an encouragement date. This was an encouragement date, you know. Another's first pattern, the expectation for the date is fun, building friendship, encouragement. It's not a pressure-packed situation, right? You're not cornering the sister. So, and I know I'm being hard on the brothers, so maybe, you know, just brothers, you're not guilty. I'm not saying that, but I'm one of you, so that's typically, I, I relate more to that sin skill set, <laughs> Versus a self-first pattern, the date is awkward. There's real pressure to be vulnerable or determine compatibility, or it can be hyper-spiritual. I'm, an, I'm on the plane that, you know, we do a lot of church, so just have fun on a date. Don't make another church service on your day, you know? I mean, it can have some spiritual elements, but we do a lot of church. Um, we're just going to worship all night, you know? And we're going to fast. That's just... You just don't want to buy dinner, so. And honestly, like I said, these, I was going to, I meant to try to get some pictures of uh, Coastal, but these are Orange County when I did it down there. I just love, you know, again, after the events that we have or different things like that, I just love scrolling through pictures of you guys out on dates. To me, it just warms my heart to see the singles. This is like after New Year's. I think they all went to Denny's. I don't know why. They, they. You know, our, the OC ministry is crazy. It's like 
midnight is when, you know, the thing gets started. So a bunch of them went to Denny's. And uh, I just love seeing guys out on dates. I love seeing sisters, brothers being together, encouraging one another on their weekends. This was New Year's Day afterwards. They, again, took, kept the party going down in Newport or somewhere. Uh, these guys all went on four-wheeling dates. So they go out off-roading. And they take all their dates and they get their Jeeps and any off-roading, four-by-four. Uh, four, and they do off-roading dates. Try to get, you know, stuck up in the mountains. Um, these guys uh, actually did sort of a Bible talk weekend together up at uh, Lake Arrowhead. All right, amen. Let's talk about now pursuing an interest. We talk about encouragement dating, right? We talked about just going out, guys, being together on a Saturday. But what happens if you like somebody, right? If, uh, if you decide, hey, you know, this is, this is a potential. Um, it takes a little bit of ambition, right, to make a relationship happen. And, and you want to be somewhat ambitious. And we're going to talk about the difference between earthly ambition and godly ambition, and then we're going to go through some of those same guidelines, right? Godly patterns, examples, not laws, but godly patterns and examples. Amen? What kind of ambition do we want? Well, James talks about two kinds of ambition. It says, who's wise and understanding among you? Who's spiritual? Well, let him show it by their good life and by deeds come in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Yikes. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. That's earthly ambition. Envious, selfish ambition, boastful, denying the truth, right? Deceit. Earthly, unspiritual, disorder, evil practices follow. But heavenly ambition, right? The wisdom that comes from the heaven, from heaven, is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen? Totally different side of the coin, isn't that? Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Merciful, impartial, sincere. So when we talk about ambition, you can have ambition. I'm not talking about just being passive in our search, right? If you desire to be married, you have to have uh, a sense of ambition about it. You want to make it happen. Amen. Go after it. But in a way that is a heavenly ambition. One that is full of you know, peace. It's considerate of others, right? It's submissive. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, righteous, versus this list over here that we don't really want to be a part of. And so, again, let's kind of go through this now, the, sort of the guidelines of pursuing an interest in both with heavenly ambition versus earthly ambition, right? So, heavenly ambition, being surrendered, number one, through prayer, giving room for God to reveal if the interest is mutual, Earthly ambition, take control. The relationship is now the goal. You are on a quest to conquer. And I really see this sometimes. Man, it's like somebody goes from zero to 60 on an interest, and, and there is no surrender. There is no sense of maybe this is from God. It's just, no, this is, God has already told me, you know. 
And it's a quest. Heavenly ambition. Communication is purposely limited. Control, infatuation. Remember when we talked about infatuation last week? Uh, it says, hey, talk at church and other mutual functions. Versus communication is constant. Texting, Facebook, phone calls, multiple times per day. And I think that's something that is very indicative of this culture. Uh, far more than it was 20, 25 years ago. You know, when we were in the ministry uh, together, you saw each other, you hung out at Bible talk, you'd see each other at church, that kind of thing. And so the relationship progressed in much more of a natural way. Now, if it's like every 20 minutes, you don't get hear from them. Maybe they don't even like you. Maybe this isn't from God anymore. It's like, you know, to God, a thousand years is like a day, right? And a day, like a thousand years. But to us, like 20 seconds is like a thousand years. I mean, relax, all right? Heavenly ambition, even time together, we got to limit it purposely, right? Because we want time to reveal if this is really God's leading or a chemical rush that's flooding through our brain, which we talked about last week. You may want to spend every waking minute together, but let it progress gradually. Earthly ambition. Now, the only way to get to know each other is spending lots of time together. Weasel dates are common. Now, do you guys know what weasel dates are? Is that a term from, like, my generation? Honestly, I know he's not here, and he's my best friend, but Brian Craig was the king of weasel dates back in the day. You can let him know that I said it. I mean, it was well known in our ministry. But keep in mind, like, this, Brian and Dessa started dating. It was like... They first got to go out like every three months. Then it was like every two months. And then it was like every month. Then it was like every other week. And it, So it took a while for that initial thing. But then they made up for lost time. They were like the weasel date kings. They even lived together on this. Not, they didn't. Hold on. I, back up the recording a little bit. Back up the recording. They lived on the same floor of the dorms in Williams Village at Colorado. Uh, they, it was like the 10th floor. They had a sister's household right there and a brother's household right there. I was like, are you kidding me? And they said, oh, we didn't even plan it. So they are the weasel date kings. But what I'm seeing, to be honest, those guys have set an amazing example in their both dating relationship and marriage. What I'm seeing, talking about the weasel dating, again, are just these, these after-devo hangouts till one in the morning, these uh, meeting for coffees, this, just this constant desire to spend time and to get to know that person really without any kind of in, outside influence, advice. That's kind of where uh, I think a relationship can progress at a pace that's led more by infatuation than by godly ambition and wisdom. Amen. Go on well-planned dates. We talked about that. And I keep using the word well-planned, right? Because it does. It's, it really is special. And I think that's something that in our culture is, I'm seeing it being lost in the singles ministry. We're hanging out a lot, but we're not dating a lot. We're not really making it special and, and going out and really being deliberate about, hey, sis, I'm going to take, I would love to take you out this next, uh, in two weeks from now on Saturday. Are you available? It's more just we're all seeing each other, we're hanging out, but we're not really deliberately going out and encouraging each other on dates. To get to know each other better. 
But even if you have an interest and you're pursuing somebody, you can still encourage other people. I went even when I was pursuing Sean, every Saturday in the campus ministry, it was like, who are you going out with? It wasn't are you going out this Saturday? The question was, who are you taking out Saturday and who is your double? That was a standard every weekend. I can't remember a weekend where I did not go on a date unless it was a retreat. Literally, from the time I got baptized to the time I got married, I cannot remember a weekend where I did not go out on a Saturday. Now, was I rich? No. So were the dates, you know, Taco Bell level? Maybe, you know what I mean? Ramen, I mean, whatever it was, but it didn't matter. We were doing something that was, we were together, and it was planned, and it was special. Versus earthly ambition, just fixate on one person. Spend time with them as often as possible. Prayer walks, you're so spiritual, going on prayer walks with your interest. It's your one quiet time a week, right, that you had. Lunch dates, coffee, quiet times, alone times, hangouts, right? And then it's like, okay, I'm only going to go out once a month with her because she's my interest. But then those three weeks, no dates, really? And that's what I'm talking about. Pursuing somebody with earthly ambition versus heavenly, godly ambition. Saying, hey, if this is the one for me, then this might be my last opportunity to encourage other brothers. This might be my last opportunity to encourage other sisters in the ministry. If, if this is the one and we're going to date and get married, then go for it. On the, on the off weeks, take people out. Amen? Heavenly ambition, before seriously pursuing a person, seek advice from others in their life. See how they're doing and if there's a mutual interest. Earthly ambition, you know, that's so old school. I'm just going to talk to them, let them know how I feel. I like you. Uh, Remember, you know what's best, right? And again, there may be opportunities. Bro, I think you just need to talk to her and tell, you how, tell her how you feel. That may be an opportunity, and that may be a conversation you have if you are pursuing somebody. But do that with advice versus, again, I've seen this conversation had with no advice, and then there's a real huge awkwardness in that relationship. People that used to be great friends now are sort of, it's the friendship kind of dissolved because so-and-so didn't get any advice and just was way too vulnerable, way too direct, too soon. So again, advice. Get some advice. And when we talk about advice, there is a difference between asking for advice and asking for permission, right? Hey, uh, me and her, uh, this is like the only opportunity. I already bought the plane tickets. Uh, I already have a household. She's going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. You're going to go there. And I'm going to there. We're leaving like... Uh, Tonight at 8 o'clock, what do you think? You're not getting advice. (laughs) You've already made your plans. You're just asking for permission, and it's a manipulative thing. And, And I think if you really want advice, you say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Before making all these plans, before it's done... You know, before, hey, here's what we did yesterday. What do you think? That's not advice. (laughs) It's already happened. And so, again, advice and permission are two very different things. And then I see a lot of people like, oh, well, I did get advice. Uh, And they got advice from who they knew they wanted to get advice from. You also see that pattern in the church, too. Oh, I got advice. Oh, really? Well, here's the 
four people that are like in your life, your Bible talk leader, here's your singles ministry leader, here's who actually did you get advice from, you know, my interest or whatever it is. I don't know who you got advice from. But I think a lot of times we can really set it up to where, you know, again, when we're asking advice, we really have already convinced ourselves that we're right. And so we're just kind of looking for somebody to agree. And the minute we get that, it's like we have that permission slip, you know. I think it's important just to be very vulnerable, be very open, but to really seek godly advice from people that won't just rubber stamp your plans all the time. And keep in mind, love is what? Patient. If it is love, it's not just chemicals, right? It's not just infatuation. It will last 20 or 30 or 40 years. If it's love, it will last. But you guys have got to be patient to determine if it's love or infatuation. And so, again, time is not your enemy when you're pursuing an interest or when you're dating or when you're in a courtship relationship. Time is actually your ally. And so when you look at these guidelines, uh, you know, again, I think of it like traffic, right? There was a lot of traffic getting here tonight. Um, But how do you feel traffic? You know, driving with my dad was miserable growing up. My dad was one of these guys that just sort of was ornery all the time, and everything was about the system, and, you know, the lights are not synced properly, and if I was in city government, you know, it actually burns more gas, it pollutes, they should just keep green lights. And it was just like, Dad, you know, I mean, you're 70 now. It's like you've been driving for 60 years. You're going to hit a red light. And he was just ornery and ticked off all the time. He actually took out his regular horn and had, like, this train engine air horn installed into his car. And, like, if, if the guy didn't make a left turn, the minute that light, the green light hit their eyes at the speed of light, right, that air horn would blow. And it was just, it was just constantly just pushing it, constantly weaving in and out of traffic, constantly... And half the time, we were in the back of his pickup truck with no seat belts. So, I mean, we used to do that. It's lucky where any of us are even alive. Uh, but when you guys are on the freeway and, you know, you're going about 30, 40 miles an hour and you see some guy just come flying, changing lanes, busting through, swerving in, out of, onto the median, flying, what do you think of that person? It's it's selfish. Now, they may not get a ticket. They may not get in an accident. But they are putting everybody's life at risk. And sooner or later, that kind of a lifestyle will catch up with them. You know, I've seen... I think it's kind of known. I probably bet none of the things I'm sharing to you tonight about the guidelines and the best practices of dating in our church are even news to most of you. But I think for some of us, we sort of have this wrangling, ornery attitude about guidelines in the church. That we literally want to just, I've got this, and weave in and out of traffic, weave in and out of the fellowship, doing our thing, doing it our way, I know best, and we're weaving it. And you know what? Amen. You know? Uh, It's a selfish attitude to have. And everybody sees it, and it's kind of like, is that right? You know, is that right what they're doing? Is it right? It's like, 
Well, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I wouldn't say it's wise. And I think you may get away with it. You may not get a ticket. You may not get thrown in jail or go to hell for it. But are you really seeking to please God? And are you really respecting the fellowship when that's our attitude? And I think when you put the lives and, the, and really the spirituality of the church and even your sister in Christ in jeopardy because of this sort of self-first mentality, then I think it is. Yeah, I think it is sinful. And I think it is, uh, you know, caused for real repentance and real soul-searching of why am I desiring to just be rebellious? You know, what is it in me that, that is not sincere, that is not submissive, that's not full of mercy and good fruit in this area? Because I think, again, it's up to us to decide... If these are our guidelines, if this is the way we want to date and, and really best practices of dating in our church, let's decide it and let's go for it. Let's set a culture in here that's so different from the world that we are excited about it and that we, uh, again, glorify God in it. Amen? What about dating steady and courtship? Right? That's the next level, right? That's... That's interdigitizing. That's not like holding hands during a prayer. That's like next level before marriage stuff right there, the interdigitation of uh, the fingers. Let's talk about this pattern. Romans 16:19 says, "Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. That's pretty interesting, right? And when it comes to evil, right, in terms of sexual sins, impurity, be innocent in that area. But what about what governs all the rest of your dating, engagement, and courtship? Right? As long as you just don't fall into impurity and immorality, is it... No. There's actually still something that governs over the good, and that is wisdom, right? So in terms of evil, yeah, that kind of stuff's sort of a no-brainer, be innocent in that department. But even over what's good, and maybe not black and white, what still governs that area is wisdom. And that's where set, those who have set a godly example, those who have set a pattern for you, much like Paul did in the first century, man... Go after those people. What did you do? What did you see? Maybe even those who have had a rough go. Hey, how was that? Or, or I, I know it, you guys had some struggles. Be open with me. Tell me about that. That's okay. I mean, I think God's grace is huge. I think even people who have stumbled out of the starting gate, even in their dating and engagement, can still glorify God in their marriage. Their testimony is going to be powerful about, yeah, we struggled and this is how that affected us. And we've now kind of suffered a couple of years in really rebuilding our trust. However, X, Y, Z. Amen? So be wise. Use wisdom. So again, let's talk about wise and unwise patterns. A wise pattern when you're dating now, right? You are a couple. Uh, how many dating couples do we have in here? One, two. Awesome. Wow. Amen. For Coastal. Um, so this is more for you guys, but also for those of you who will be here soon. Have a date once a week where you have fun. 
And that might sound like a no-brainer, but a lot of times when you're dating, you stop going on dates, right? You need to still go on dates. You need to go out. You need to have fun. You need to involve other people and let, uh, you know, uh, people into that relationship. An unwise pattern is just, hey, we we don't really go out on Saturday. Instead, we just see each other every day, all the time, during all free time, always seen together as a couple. A wise pattern. Now, I know some of you are going to feel guilty if you're sitting next to each other. Again, it's just just slightly to the left here. It's just slightly to the left, Eddie and Rachel. Don't, uh, you don't have to get up and move. But at church, focus on the visitors, studies, the disciples, the needs of the ministry. Have a productive fellowship, right? Versus an unwise pattern. Always cling to each other. Even hang out during the fellowship Focus on each other, oblivious to the ministry needs. Again, no judgment here. It's awesome to sit together. Um, But I think, you know, again, my wife and I were typically like at church, uh, you know, especially even in the campus ministry. We've got people there. We've got visitors. We're meeting people. There's a fellowship aspect to it. There's a desire to kind of touch base with our Bible talks. See who's there. If somebody's missing, maybe shoot them a call. Uh, But we were there participating in fellowship, not there on a weasel date. Amen? Wise pattern. Communication may be frequent. That's bottom line. You guys are going to talk, text, but it's not constant. You look forward to updates, turn wall, and uh, encourage each other, right? The update. Unwise patterns. Constant communication. Considerable time on the phone. Texting arguing, resolving fights, and never-ending and meaningless drama. I mean, again, that's the pattern I see. The more communication, the more opportunity for miscommunication, right? Miscommunication is going to happen about 30% of the time. So if you're texting and talking about 46 times a day, about 13 of those are going to be misunderstood, and the other 34 of them are going to be resolving the 13 that were misunderstood. So just... Chill out. Chill. Take, uh, again, take a deep breath. Do your job. Like, they, they're paying you to work, not to resolve fights with your girlfriend or boyfriend at work. Wait for the Sunday sermon and text and do, do it during that, right? Some of you guys do. Uh, wise pattern. Conversation is pure, seasoned with Salt. Get advice about intimate and vulnerable conversations. Unwise pattern. Talk about anything and everything. Discuss relationship, marriage, past struggles. No topic is off limits. And I've seen this. You know, I think boundaries are uh, defined in dating and courtship long before marriage. And so if you guys don't have healthy boundaries, even in this phase of your relationship, then even in marriage, you know, there's an unhealthy, unhealthy boundaries and patterns that can exist. And so, again, there are times and places where you're going to have to talk, where you're really going to have to be real, where you're going to have to be vulnerable about who you are, about your past, the things God has forgiven you of, things that you still wrestle, struggle with, etc. But I think it's, it's, it's better done when you get advice and when you talk with people about it before you really roll this thing out and then now trying to undo some of the damage that's been done. So just get advice about that kind of stuff. Wise pattern, double dates, group dates. 
You know, a single date, even as a dating couple, is the exception rather than the norm and is done really with seeking advice. And again, why I say that is, for whatever reason, when you get advice, it's almost like Jesus is there with you, you know, for some reason. Hey, I talked to him. Our double fell through at the last second, which that's probably never happened to any of you guys. But let's say the double falls through. Eddie and Rachel are like, hey, you know, we've got this plan and then we're going to, you know, go to my family's thing or whatever it is. Or sometimes family functions, it's really odd to bring a double. You know what I mean? Oh, these are our chaperones. These are our parents and these are our cousins. It's great. Go on a single date. They need to see you and your date. They're fired up for you, you know, finally. Whatever it is. Family functions are great to bring a girlfriend and boyfriend to, to bring a date to. Uh, But again, if you've gotten advice, it's almost like the cool thing is that conversation at church the next day is, hey, how was that wedding? You know, how was that thing? And it just feels like, all right, I I was open. There's a little bit of accountability. I know we're going to stay pure, you know. I know I'm going to talk about it versus nobody really knows where we are, what we're doing for this seven-hour period of time. So nobody's ever really going to ask us. And that begins to provide temptation that actually normally wouldn't be there. Amen? Unwise pattern, time alone together is typical regardless of the example it sets to others or the pattern of the ministry. Again, you are the exception. All of us feel like we're the exception, you know. Like most of you agree, oh yeah, every, uh, Marshall, that was good lesson tonight, you know. They, they all needed that. Those guys, they needed that, you know. But I, but I, <laughs> I'm the sage, you know. If anybody wants to come to me for advice. I, and so, again, don't feel like you're the exception. A lot of times, what Sean and I would do was, we loved that everybody saw us in the sense. We wanted to set an example of righteousness. We wanted to set an example even of purity and, and advice in our dating relationship. I didn't resent the fact that everybody's eyes were on us. That, to me, was a, a, a protective barrier for us to really set a great example. Uh, even in times when we were very tempted, I thought, I just don't want to have to confess this. All right, date's over, you know. Uh, and, and, and God, you know, was merciful with us in that area. Wise patterns. Don't put yourself in a tempting situation Remain pure by just simply being smart, right? Uh, being situationally wise and not opening the door to compromise. Versus an unwise pattern. Hey, assume you can assan- handle any situation. Late night, talks sitting in the car, home alone, vacations together. After all, you're both adults. You can handle it. Whenever anybody says we're both adults, I'm scared for their relationship. It's like, yeah, that's who has sex, is consenting adults. Anything else is a crime, right? So you both being adults does not give me any comfort that you're going to stay pure because you're both adults. You being both adults is, means, yeah, Satan is waiting for a situation to bring you down, right? So don't use the we're both adults. We had the survey two weeks ago of consenting adults who call themselves Christians who are not staying pure. Amen? So again, a lot of times it's just being situationally wise. It's just, I don't know, 
we need to know what situation we're in. We need to know the environment. We need to kind of cut off the conversation here. Hey, I'm going to drop you off here. Uh, I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll walk you to the door, but I'm out, you know. Just not giving the devil an opportunity to tempt you into uh, really a sin that the next day you're going to be like, oh, jeez, you know, that, that really was a huge setback. And again, I, I feel like with Sean and I, there were definitely times of temptation. There were definitely late nights where, again, it was usually arguing in the car, you know, and then we're trying to resolve that, and then like a half hour has gone by, and then when we did resolve it, then it's like the feelings of, oh, wow, we resolved it. Now there's a return of this affection and love, and then it was like, all right, we better leave, you know? Um, and so, again, I'm a human being, and I'm an adult. That's why I'm nervous about myself, is I'm an adult, right? So be situationally wise, amen? Absolute purity, no, pro- no compromise. The level of affection does not elevate to cause either person to struggle in their purity versus an ever-increasing level of kind of innocent physical affection until it leads to impurity or even worse. And again, I think many of us coming from the world have had relationships uh, that were impure. And so it it, it seems very Pollyanna to talk about, oh, just hold your hands or whatever it is. There were times when I was sexually aroused just holding Sean's hand. Uh, You know, again, the situation felt romantic. And that's not the way I was before I was a Christian. Believe me, Uh, that was... What? Holding hands? No. We, and I was always somebody who was very much pushing relationships in the world to be physical and to be affectionate very quickly, very much before their time. So to kind of rewind now and to be a disciple of Christ, it's kind of was, I guess, good in a way that, you know, something very small in terms of affection could still uh, put me in a tempting situation. That to me, was progress. At least my brain had been a little bit destimulated from the sexual activity that I'd experienced in the world to where now even sometimes holding hands or kind of the arms or the closeness was a struggle. And so we just kind of needed to back away even from that level of physical affection. And again, that's, that's kind of unheard of. In, uh, even in the Christian world, they just kind of turned a blind eye to singles and purity and just kind of assume good, now you can come to our marriage retreat and it's all good and we sort of, no guys, setting these kind of boundaries and having that kind of self-control sets the tone for marriage, believe me, amen? Lastly, I think, um, allowing the relationship to progress at a godly pace in line with other aspects of your life, like your career, right? Your ministry, your relationship with God, your Bible talk, your discipling relationship. If all that stuff gets thrown out the window, because then maybe that person is not, I mean, we serve a jealous God, right? I don't know that God would give you somebody that would make you abandon your career, your walk with God, your prayer life, and your Bible talk. So, kind of progress the relationship in line with these other ones versus, hey, this is the one. Time's our enemy. It's clear we're in love. We're going to be married. We're just struggling to stay pure. So we may as well just fast track the relationship. That's not a recipe for success. Um, doesn't mean imminent failure either, uh, but it's just setting you up for a real steep climb early on in your marriage. Amen. 
So here's, here's in a suggestion. This is pretty much what we saw from uh, Christian Mingle, is that nobody gets any advice on any area of their life, on dating, pursuing an interest, steady dating, maybe marriage and family. They start almost approaching getting some advice. Here would be my suggestion as a pattern. And I'm, again, at the, the engineering, the graph, you know, that's, that's where you get with me. Dating. Get advice about dating, even just encouragement, going out, having fun. Get advice about that. If you want to pursue an interest, uh, get more advice um, about that. Uh, if you now are steady dating, uh, get a lot more advice. If you are now engaged to be married, get tons more advice. And now if you have a wife and kids, pretty much you are constantly in need of advice. So if you see the trend upward, I would also include prayer. It kind of takes that same trend, right? Uh, this would just be my advice to you. Uh, now, again, what am I saying tonight? What am I not saying? This is the way it is. And, you know, and I've seen people be like overly legalistic. All right, you know, uh, I'll meet you in Riverside. Well, can we drive? To, well, no, we can't ever drive together. We can't ever. I, I've seen people be way too legalistic in all this. But I don't I think the current trend is probably like, oh, that stuff's old school. So, again, you've got to be balanced, right? I love this passage. I get a lot of mileage out of it, too. Uh, do not be over-righteous. And probably no one has ever accused me of being over-righteous. Stuart Maines called me for, like, advice because he goes, I know you're, like, really liberal, so I just wanted to get your perspective on this situation. I'm like, what? Like, I have conviction. <laughs> do not be over-righteous. Neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself, Right? can't be overly legalistic in all of this. That's, that's kind of missing the heart of really pleasing God in it. But also, don't be over wicked. Don't be a fool. Don't be foolish in this area of your life either, right? Why die before your time, you know? Again, I think that guy flying through traffic, it's like, that guy's going to die at some point. It's good to grasp one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God avoids all extremes. So I think this is really it. You know, if you love God, if you fear God, you realize the church has some amazing examples of people who really employed some best practices, who really stuck with the double dating, who really didn't put themselves in compromising situations, who did their best to remain pure. And their, their marriages are not perfect, but, but they're light years ahead of where they would have been had they been in a worldly relationship. And so using those examples and say, you know what? In every situation, let me just talk. Let me get advice. Let me not just rebel in this area and assume I'm the exception that I know best. Amen? And so our discussion question, if you want to take this uh, into the fellowship or your Bible talks or small groups or whatever it is, do you have a balanced approach to dating? Is your tendency to be self-first, cavalier, even rebellious? Or are you, can you err by being too cautious, too passive about it? Right? I think there's a healthy middle ground here. You have to have some ambition. Just make it godly. Amen? And how do you view the church's best practices, right? The guidelines. Have you seen great examples of dating and marriage? Do you see room for improvements, changes? Amen. Or are you discouraged by what you see in the church? 
Um, and I think it's important that we really ask ourselves, you know, how do I feel about these things? How do I feel about these best practices, these guidelines? Do I see it as really other people have set a great legacy for me to follow? And that's how I kind of viewed it. I, I really saw for the first time in my life uh, people that were not just married, but like enjoyed being married. You know what I mean? I grew up in a family of uh, my mom and dad were married for 45 years, but they annoyed each other for 45 of them that I saw, you know what I mean? They was just constantly, I mean, they literally were together, but it was just sort of this never-ending, oh, Jerry, you know, well, she doesn't, you know, get, it just, it wasn't, it was dysfunctionally functional, you know what I mean? Uh, and so for me to kind of walk in and suddenly to see in, in the church people who were dating and even see Brian and Dessa and see their example, to see some of the early people who I saw in marriage, I'm like, what are you guys doing? doing to produce that and so for me that was an example a godly pattern that i wanted to follow amen we'll close out in a word of prayer father thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to uh talk through uh just the pursuit of romance god and, and may it be a sacred search god one that we take with you god one that we take uh, with our eye on the kingdom first god one that we take knowing that uh, it is you, God. You are a jealous God. You do not want actually to share us with anybody, especially with one that would take us away from our walk with you, God. But we do ask, God, in our singles ministry that you would really provide uh, people that uh, desire to go uh, to be uh, married, that, God, you would provide other people who are really seeking you first. Provide uh, a help meet. Provide uh, brothers and sisters that really are on the same page desiring to please you, that will really edify you together as a couple and even as a family, God. And so all this stuff we surrender before you, God, like Abraham, the things that are the most precious to us, sometimes we're called to lay on the altar, God, our families, our futures, our kids, uh, our potential uh, spouse, God. I just pray, God, that this area we would not be in control of, but that we would lay at the altar and be surrendered to, that you will provide in that area, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.